Lord, open our hearts and minds to You. Guide us by Your Holy Spirit and grant us wisdom and understanding that as the Scriptures are read and Your Word proclaimed, may we be filled with joy at what You say to us this day. And let God's people say, Amen. Our first reading comes from Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 15 through 20. See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I am commanding you today by loving the Lord your God, walking in His ways, and observing His commandments, decrees, and ordinances, then you shall live and become numerous. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you do not hear but are led astray to bow down to other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying Him and holding fast to Him. For that means life to you and length of days, so that you may live in the land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Our next reading is from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 5, verses 21 through 37. You have heard it said, <coughs> You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, You shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or a sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or a sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother or sister, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on the way to court with him, or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you'll be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid every last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman's lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of unchastity, causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard it said to those of ancient times, you shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. As we continue in our series on following God, we come to this idea that we have to speak to life. And in Deuteronomy, we're given a choice. Pick life or pick death. 
Pick the road that leads to prosperity or the road that leads to destruction. Pick the road that leads to blessings or pick the road that leads to curses. And we're told that we're able to do that by picking the road that leads to God if we want to choose life. And what we're told is that we have to keep all of God's ordinances, his commands. We've got to do everything he asks. And people thought they knew what that meant. Except Jesus takes it and says, all right, you kind of understood what was going on, but I don't think you fully grasped the situation. Because Jesus takes this very outward sign and points it inward, and suddenly everything feels like it's more about what we are doing in our relationship with God than what other people are seeing. And it's because too often we think that as long as we don't do the worst thing, that everything else on the way there is okay. And the first one he makes a point of is murder. And he goes, all right, you've heard it said, don't kill anybody. And I'm sure plenty of people went, oh, good, I haven't done that. We're off to a great start. The problem is that the next words out of his mouth are, but if you're angry at a brother or sister, you might as well have killed him. You're going to be liable to the same judgment. And that's harsh. I mean, that cuts right through everything. Because suddenly you've gone from don't kill anybody to if you hate somebody, you might as well have killed them because you're going to be treated the same by God. And the thing is, is that it makes a point about just because you didn't do something outwardly doesn't mean your heart is right with God. Yes, it's good that you didn't kill anyone. But if you're going around and in your heart you hate your brother or your sister and you don't try to make things right, how can you love God if you're walking around hating one of his children? How can you love God if you can't afford to make things right with someone he loves? And it doesn't get any easier from there. Over and over again, Jesus brings up what the law says and what the easiest reading of it is and goes, all right, but if you turn that inward, yeah, don't commit adultery. But if you look at somebody and you think about it, you might as well have done it in the eyes of God. Get your heart right or it's going to lead you down the road to getting everything wrong. Because the thing is, what we think matters. Our intentions matter. If we walk around thinking, well, as long as I don't do the worst thing possible and I'll be okay, sooner or later, we're going to let those shades of gray lead us to doing the worst thing possible because we keep making excuses for the way that we think. And the solution, at first, sounds to be pretty terrible. If you see something that's going to make you sin, just rip your eye out. 
If you're going to touch something that's going to make you sin, cut off your hand. Now luckily, Jesus knew something about hyperbole. He doesn't want you to actually go around cutting off limbs and plucking out eyes and mutilating yourself to keep yourself from sinning. But it's the picture that it draws to give that extreme contrast. Which would be better? Doing wrong to God or cutting off a body part? And the thing is that it highlights this very, very black and white dynamic of you're either doing right by God or wrong by God. Because there's all sorts of shades of gray that we get into when we talk about our interactions and we talk about morality, but in the end, quite often it's simply are we doing right or are we doing wrong? An example of this would be if we talk about somebody stealing food in order to live because otherwise they would starve to death. And too often we try to figure out a way to make all of it make sense and make it right. And the truth is that we can say, well, you know what, stealing is wrong. Even stealing to survive is wrong. But it wasn't wrong for the person to try to keep themselves alive. The true wrong in that situation is that anybody ever got to a point where they had to choose between stealing and death. The thing is that just because you have to do something wrong to survive doesn't mean that it makes it right. It just means you've got something else to ask forgiveness for. But it also means it has something else that we have to work on. Because the failure is on everybody. Anybody in our society is left to the choice of steal or starve. But the thing is that just because something bad happens doesn't we have to justify it away and say, well, here's all the reasons that we can excuse it. What we can say is, well, you know what? That situation was bad. It doesn't mean that we don't say, well, you know what? It was bad and I wish it had never happened and I seek forgiveness for what I have done. Because those simple words sometimes seem to struggle to come out of our mouths. Because it's also about taking personal accountability for our actions. If we are going to speak to life, our words have to be plain. And Jesus makes a point of this by noting that too often we try to put our words on somebody else. We see in all the courtroom dramas that every time somebody goes to testify, they hold out the Bible and somebody puts their hand on it and they go, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me God. And the most ironic part about it is this passage right here. Because I think if we were to update this language, it would say, don't swear to God because God is something that you can't control. So don't put your words on Him. Don't put them on heaven or on earth because that's God's throne and His footstool. Don't put them on Jerusalem because that's the throne of the king. And don't swear on the Bible because you can't change a word of it. 
And don't swear on your head because you can't change anything about you. The only thing that you can swear to is your own word. So just let your yes be yes and your no be no. And let people hear it when you say it. Because if we can't let our word stand on its own, it's already lost all meaning. If we've got to prop up something behind what we're saying or else people won't believe it, we're already in trouble. If you're not going to believe that I'm telling the truth unless I put my hand on the Bible and say it, then you've already lost trust in me. You already don't believe me before I even start speaking. And the solution to that, in these very troubling times where it seems like getting a yes to mean yes and a no to mean no, is like trying to get blood from a stone, it means that if we answer a question, and it's a yes or no question, we either say yes or we say no. And if somebody tries to trap us with a question that's not a yes or a no question, instead of trying to circle our way around it and figure out how to get out of the trap, we just say, that's not a yes or no question. And we just simply answer honestly about whatever's put before us. Because yes, sometimes things are more complicated than that, but too often we overcomplicate the things that are simply yes or no. And one of those things is something that we are called to do. Do you forgive others? Too often our answer to that is a long, drawn-out explanation of where our stance is. But that's a yes or no question. When Jesus taught us to pray, he says, pray that God will forgive you just as you forgive others. Meaning that if we can't forgive others, then in our prayers we're asking God to hold out on forgiving us until we make things right. Because otherwise we're demanding something that we can't show. We're called to love because it speaks to life. We're called to forgive because it speaks to life. We are called to care because it speaks to the life that God has given us. That it's the care that God has placed in us. The love that God has placed in us. The trust that God has placed in us is not that we will hoard it away and keep it tucked away so that nobody knows we've got it. So that we open up and we let it out and we let others know. We make things right before we take them to God. Because how do we love God if we can't love our neighbor? How can we seek forgiveness from God if we can't forgive others? How can we expect God to help make things right if we are unwilling to make things right with our brothers and sisters? Why is it we always expect God to go above and beyond when we are barely willing to go at all? Too often we ask God to do all the heavy lifting 
And we're barely willing to lift a finger. If we choose life instead of death, if we choose prosperity instead of adversity, if we choose blessings over curses, it means those are things that we wish upon our brothers and our sisters. Those are things that we wish for every one of our neighbors. They're things that we wish upon our best friends and they're things we wish for our enemies. Because it means it's not only what we choose, it's what we speak to for others as well. Because if we don't want others to have a relationship with God, how can we have one? If we don't want others to be loved by God, how can we expect to be loved? If we don't want others to find salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord, how can we expect it ourselves? If we can't speak to those things that bring us closer to God and share them with our brothers and sisters, how can we expect them to bring us any closer? When we follow God, we follow in the example set that we make things right, that we care and we give and we love, that we share. We share in what we have, and we share in what we are, and we share in what we do. And we share in love, and we share in mercy, and we share in grace. In all of those things that God has called us to be and called us to do, and all of those things that we are in the body of Christ. That we remember that we invite all to be part of that body that we invite all to be redeemed by that blood, that we invite all to be apart. Or else we push ourselves apart from God. And we speak to life, that all may find eternal life, and that all may find a home in our heavenly kingdom, and that all may be called home to our heavenly Father that we all share in one life, in one death, in one resurrection, in one hope. And that we share it when we follow God and we speak to life. Amen.